that's all working, it looks like. Lots of nice big spikes, so it's recording properly. Good. Hello and welcome to the Omcast. My name is Dom, one half of the Omcast, and joined by Tom. Say hello, Tom. Hello there. In this episode, we're talking about the cinematic legacy of Ghostbusters, as we prepare for the new film, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yes. Yes. That's the most succinct way of putting it. So basically, we're going to be talking about the previous three Ghostbusters movies that have come out um, before there's this new movie that's about to come out imminently. Um, Obviously, it's been delayed like everything has this year, uh, but we are finally getting that new Ghostbusters movie. Um, So we thought this would be a great opportunity to do a grand rewatch in the tradition of the podcast. Um, (laughs) It's the first time in a long time. I don't know. We've done a couple. When was the last time we did a proper grand rewatch? We did The Purge. We did a grand rewatch for some reason. Oh, shit, we did. I don't know why we did that. It was one of the few things that came out that was new. Yeah, true. Well, that was part of... Yeah, that was something that we hadn't done before or whatever. Yeah, true. so yeah, The Purge was the last one. We haven't done one of these in, in a little while. Um, but it's great to go back, especially when it's something like this. Yeah. Um, and it's got such, such a big legacy and such a sort of um, long-standing thing. So I think obviously we've got to talk about the original movie um, before we get into anything else. Um, and I think the thing with Ghostbusters and you know the original Ghostbusters is what's to, be, what's to say that hasn't been said before? Do you yeah. know what I mean? So I think all we can really talk about is our own experiences of it. Yeah. So... What I want to ask you first, because this is going to be an interesting one. We talked about it a little bit at the tail end of our episode last week. Mm. Um, that this is where it's one of those films, and there's only a few that came out in that period where it makes a big difference, like you, the age gap between you and I. Yeah, because I didn't really get exposed to this as a kid until like, it wasn't until later on, and I saw it on VHS. But when it first came out for you, it was a completely different story. So, what was your experience of Ghostbusters? Um, it just fucking blew my mind yeah like (laughs) it was unlike i don't know like i was really fortunate Mm. that my childhood sort of revolved around a cabal of what like now mainstay classic greatest yeah, you films had of all like, time. Now so. it's like, it was like Ghostbusters, it was Back to the Future. Ghostbusters, Back to the Future, Star Wars, Jurassic Park, Indiana Star Jones. Trek films, Indiana Jones, like yeah. the James Bond films of the era. Like we were just about to saying about like Willow, yeah. Batman 1989. Like yeah. these films were just... But that's what's, yeah, like when going back and watching these, like you watch what they were competing with. So, like, they were talking about when the first Ghostbusters came out, it was up against Temple of Doom at the box office. Yeah. And then when the second one came out, it didn't do as well because Batman, Batman came out came a week out later. And like, made every bit of money. Jeez, what a fucking time to be alive. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, in terms of just what was like out. Original Superman, like, yeah. was a film that was just around when I was a kid. So, I would watch that. Like, yeah. You know, for any of our like, readers, I was born in 1985. So peak time for all this stuff to come out in my childhood. And then the early 90s came around, which is when we talk about like my fondness for like Jurassic Park. So my brother has this moment of like seeing certain films and being like, that was like yeah. what cemented film for him and cemented cinema for him. Because those were stuff that they saw at the cinema. And it, for me, it was Jurassic Park. Like, yeah. And it was, that was everything after that. But before that were these films like, like I say, like Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, these things that I'd watch on VHS. Yeah. I'd just watch it, rewind it, start again. Yeah. Like, it was just on. Yeah. And then there was a spin-off cartoon, and there were all the toys. Yeah. 
So that's, that's the other thing. I think that's a massive part of it for you as well, because that whole the cartoon and the toys and everything that completely passed me by. Yeah, like I was vaguely aware of Ghostbusters and I knew the logo. Like I could recognise the logo. Yeah, um, and I reckon I must have seen the movie. I don't know when I was sort of ten, eleven ish. Maybe mm. it was on TV or whatever. And mm. it was just this weird old movie that was on like on ITV and sort of had adverts in it, and it was cool. And I was like, I was like, became that's where I was first became aware of Bill Murray. Yeah, and things like that. But it just didn't have this. It wasn't the same, like, no. and it was. But it was around the same time when you are rediscovering things. It was like again, that's the same way I was introduced to Back to the Future, yeah, and things like that because it's yeah. on ITV every Easter. <laughs> yeah, I mean? like, exactly. And like having having it so cemented into my childhood, like some of my earliest memories are of like I can very fondly remember playing with Ghostbusters toy with my friend Ed on like his staircase like yeah. there was like the stairs and then there was a little flat bit at the bottom we used to play there because we weren't in the living room mm-hmm. but we used to play on this little bit and he had the the, the station oh, really? and the toys then like they were like ooze so yeah. like the the ectoplasm you get in a pot and like <laughs> the, the fire station ooze. like you would pour it into the top and it would like drip through <laughs> Like these grates, and you'd be like, "Oh no, he's been slimed." <laughs> Everything and... in the early nineties was all about ooze and slime, wasn't it? There yeah, was, there was that. There was um, there was Power Rangers with Ivan ooze. Yeah, and that was an ooze based thing. And then I think Tur- Ninja Turtles was the secret of the ooze. Secret of the ooze. <laughs> yeah, there's there was loads of it. Basically, it's you know, like the gunge tutorials that you can do on TikTok now with yeah. your kids, where it's like flour and water and whatever. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I've made gunge. It was just a weaponized way of yeah. doing that for kids and charging them five pounds for a pot that you could make for forty p. But no, that, I just but like I, that. I remember how it feels. I remember how it smells. Yeah. Like I remember the toys. I remember being like, oh no, my Egon's really dirty because he's covered in green slime, <laughs> and it would dry on, you know. And it's just there's so much of my childhood was like encapsulated around Ghostbusters. Really. Yeah, because it was just fucking, like, I remember, like, my friend's birthday party and, like, everyone was going in fancy dress. Yeah. And, like, we were fucking poor, like, so my mum made me a proton pack and what she did, she she took a, um, uh, like, a laundry powder box and then cut holes in it and put judo belts through it so it would go on my back and then I had a bit of string on, like, a little proton thing <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, just had, like, grey joggers, a grey jumper, and then I had, like, elbow pads on and, like, patches as a Ghostbuster with a fucking personal box on my back. <laughs> but I just thought it was the coolest thing in the world. I thought I was a Ghostbuster. Yeah. And I was Peter Venkman. Everyone's Venkman. Yeah, everyone was Venkman. Everyone's Venkman. I love that there's this whole thing in um, Stranger Things about that, isn't there? When, you yeah. know, when they all go dressed as the yeah. It's like, no, I'm Venkman. I want to be Venkman. And they're all just <laughs> arguing over who gets to be yeah. Venkman. <laughs> yeah and then there's the, the question of racism about who wants to be winston yeah <laughs> you know and um <laughs> fucking um yeah but just, and the oh, thing what, is so like I, I wanted to be venkman because i just thought he was really 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 funny yeah and he just didn't give a fuck and my friend ed was egon because he had glasses <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> <He's>... <laughs> so <laughs> oh god i love it it so, just made yeah. sense i just love it yeah so i mean like I say, I was exposed to it back then and I sort of I was vaguely aware of it and over the years I've seen it a couple more times but then obviously for the purposes of tonight I've mm. rewatched it. God, it's so good, isn't it? Yeah. The first one's so good and it's just, it. it's all those guys at that absolute top of their game and they're just so effortless and mm. it's just so 
just like I don't know they just they you can tell that some of it is sort of improvised and things hang and they just and people like just let jokes land and they're really subtle I think that's what it is the it's the um it's the earnestness yeah, of it it's all of it it's, it's the it, it's the the reality of it yeah. as well it's just and the fact that like yeah there is that sort of a nod on the wink and people take the piss a little and particularly like the character of Ankman is like he's he doesn't believe in all this thing he's, he thinks he's bollocks the yeah. whole way through but then he starts to get into it as it goes but then but like I just love the his sort of oh fucking hell like that attitude towards it's it. the p- being perpetually underwhelmed, yeah, but also really frustrated, which is by perfectly the whole contrasted thing. with the other two, with like, yeah. with with um, Ray and um, fucking Egon, because Ray is just so excited about everything, and then Ray and then Egon is just like and like explaining everything, <laughs> yeah. He's dead down the line, talking about the science of it and the and the yeah. practicalities of it, and that whole ensemble just works so well. I, yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? I mean, everything... I collect funguses, molds, and spores. Yeah. <laughs> And there's so many like little lines and little bits of physical comedy and stuff like that. So like that line that you just just there is like that comes after just that little really t- like and it's never addressed. Just the bit where Egon gets out from under the desk because like Venkman's been having a full conversation with Annie the whole way through, <laughs> and then Venkman just pops out. And no yeah. one addresses it. No one says anything. Yeah, <laughs> it's just there. It's just... <laughs> and it's like, is he setting up the computer? What's he doing? Doesn't matter. Don't need to make a pithy joke about it. No, you just laugh at it. Just this, and you're like, hang on, what the fuck was that? Yeah, like, although, or the, yeah, when um, Scorny Weaver walks in and fucking and Bill Murray like bounds over the desk <laughs> to get over there. <laughs> yeah. Again, doesn't no one says anything? It's no, just, oh, god damn it, it's so good. It's nothing, and it's 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 classic comedy. Yeah, it's yeah, it's classic comedy in that. Yeah, but it's just like. Yeah, and it's, and it's the, unforced. The, it's unforced, and it's the world in which they live in feels like a real world still, yeah. just enough. Like, because there's obviously there's elements of it where it's shot shot on a soundstage, and there's that you know that um, Hollywood magic, you know, things like they did the the uh, library. They shot the exterior and the opening bit at the New York Public Library, yeah, and then all the stuff downstairs was in the LA Public Library, and mm. they splice it together. So there's things like that, but you never think that it's not a real world like everyone they come across like it just like always just thinks they're just a bunch of idiots yeah they just think what and it's those little moments like the guy like when they're going into the um on into the hotel and they're getting in the elevator and the guy's there and he's like i'll get the next one and it's like <laughs> that and it's little moments like that just make it feel like a real lived in world yeah and just oh, it's so good it's so good and it's so like and just so many things about it have become iconic Mm-hmm. Like the car is iconic. The the just the, every character and every performance has become just is amazing. Well, like, you think about like the fire station, for example. Like, yeah. The fire station in there. You think about the proton packs, the sounds. Yeah. The costumes, the sound design, everything that's in there. Like the creatures and the fact that they, that they yeah. made all like creature if they actually made them, um, and then like applied effects to them after the fact. They were like re- like Slimer was a real thing that had a puppeteer yeah. in it. Um. And it's just, yeah, the way it all came together, it was one of those, and you go back and now, there's loads of stuff, obviously it's, one, it's very well documented how the movie got made. Yeah. Um, and there are things on there, so I would encourage anyone who's interested to like, check out, there's the movies that made us on yeah. Netflix, they've done an episode on it. And it's amazing just to see the, like, the artistry and like the stuff that was mm. going on around that time. And it was just this perfect like lightning in a bottle moment of having yeah. all these people who were there at the time, because it could have been very, very different. Yeah, like, and it was everybody working together mm. really, really well. Look, Rick Moranis is in this. Rick Moranis is brilliant. 
You know, Rick, Rick Moranis, the Gordy. Yeah, like, like, Rick Moranis is an interesting point, actually. So that kind of segues in because I was going to say, like, because what this could have ended up being would have been so different because originally that part was for John Candy. Yeah. To a point where even, like, the storyboards have got also, John. Bill Murray was supposed to be. He wasn't in it. No, Bill Murray wasn't in it, and it no, was it John was, Belushi. It was John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, and Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Those were the three, and then that didn't happen for lots of reasons. You know, so uh, John, Murphy Bel- was doing John Belushi passed away. Yeah, and Eddie Murphy was busy doing Police Academy. Uh, yeah. No, not uh, Police Academy. Um, Beverly Hills. Beverly Cop. Hills Cop. Um, so that didn't go, and then it was a case of right. They, I think. Um, Dan Aykroyd wrote the script originally. Dan Aykroyd's a weird guy. Dan Aykroyd's mad. <laughs> because he's like he wrote it off the back of like his his family, like the Aykroyd family are really into this shit. Like the yeah. occult and like his dad was a medium or his great granddad was like a reviewer of mediums. Yeah. And his dad wrote there's a book called like The History of Ghosts by Tony Aykroyd or something, which is like <laughs> his dad's book. And it's like he wrote it from a real like scientific point of view. Like so yeah. what if I took all that and made a comedy? Like an Ab- Ab- yeah. Abbott and Costello chasing ghosts type throwback comedy. Like, yeah. Okay. And then what he ended up with was this really outlandish, like going into other dimensions. It's set in the future. Ghostbusters are like cockroach extermination guys. Yeah. And I think it was Ivan Reitman said, this is too much and brought in Harold Ramis. Yeah. And that's where it like between the two of them, they then made it into what it is and made it yeah. into this much more grounded contemporary thing. Um, but yeah, again, it's one of those things where it's just like bringing in different people. They go, oh, well, I'm going to bring in Harold to have a look at the script. And it's like, okay, do you reckon you, you've done a couple of films with Bill? Do you reckon he'd be interested? Yeah, right, I'll see if he's interested. Like yeah. that whole sort of mentality is brilliant. And it just doesn't happen anymore. Um, it's brilliant. It's just great to watch how they how they care about it's, it. It's so good because all the chemistry is natural. Yeah. It's all, it's it works brilliant. And that's the thing, like we'll get to... well the third one yeah we'll get to the third one in a bit but it's the caliber of writing fits perfectly to the characterization of the people within it yeah that's the thing and to be fair it's like they have those defined characters and none of them ever do anything out of character Mm. like it always like even to a point where they they almost go down roots and they talk about it and they're making of stuff like with so Egon yeah that whole thing where he's flirting with um Janine. Janine, yeah. So they have a bit of a flirtation thing and they almost went down the route and filmed some stuff where it was like, well, they've got good chemistry so maybe we should go explore that. But then they go, Egon wouldn't do that though, would no. he? He's too focused on the job. They go, yeah. yeah, you're right. Okay, cut that. Because they always may remain true to the characters. Yeah. Whereas some later films in the franchise, they, they everyone has to be the funny person and so yeah. therefore none of them have a defined character really and no just, and, yeah. and that's the thing it's like there are definite there are definitive points and then you get to Winston for example and like he comes in as just the blue collar guy he just yeah. needs a job yeah he just, so yeah. he's just coming in as an exterminator and he's like yeah just gotta come in I gotta do my job yeah Winston's an interesting character because they kind of added him later on in the in the process again yeah. to be exactly that to be an everyman coming in and sort of yeah. just not understanding it all probably but then i think part of it was like they were going to have him have some sort of like military background so he like knew what to do right. better in like operations and he was a bit more you know switched on. switched on um but then but the part of the issue is that yeah there was a lot of stuff where he first came in and he was like all the stuff in the script is like i'm meant to be saying this and now you've given it to bill murray yeah it's like so there's a little bit of sort of yeah, politics that went on on that, and Bill Murray just—he's a force of nature. He's unreal like, in this. He just—he 
because you can tell so much of it is just improvised or so much of it is that and then like that little clip we saw earlier where it's just like just the way he walks down the stairs is funny <laughs> like there's a moment when they're they're going to investigate the first ghost in the um library and the two and egon and um and ray are like really excited like like got all their instruments out and they're going down there and like creeping down like hunched over and then bill murray was now just <sighs> stiff as a board <laughs> yeah. can't be asked just <laughs> fucking hell and no one says anything in that whole like yeah. shot but it's funny it's just yeah. physical comedy really basic shit and it's brilliant um and the thing and in lesser films again not in not just in the franchise but in lesser films that that wouldn't be him just walking down the stairs they would fall yeah and they'd be like oh fuck oh my god oh, my, oh tell me what's broken almost yeah. oh i just sat on a twinkie yeah yeah and yeah. it would just be something yeah. silly but it's this dialed back like very specific to the time yeah. like comedy that's like deadpan yeah, it's without... all like he's he's very um he's dry he's so dry yeah. and I love all the all the little things like yeah like, again the with the um librarian like is anybody because he he's a skeptic that's what I like about Vengerman as well he doesn't believe in any of it to begin yeah. with and he's a he's a psychologist that's his background so he like his first question to someone he's seen that goes is like has anyone been diagnosed with schizophrenia in your family <laughs> yeah. and he's kind of like really like condescending the way he's asking it <laughs> my uncle thought he was Saint Jerome. <laughs> Well, I'd say that's a pretty big yes. Just like deadpan, <laughs> just let it hang for a minute, then say that is perfect. Mm. But also, yeah. he's at that point where he's so jaded, he just doesn't fucking pay attention no, to the I work. Just, I love There's the the introduction scene of yeah. where he's showing the cards. Oh, so good. Like it's creepy and weird now. Like in context, it's a little bit because oh, it's obviously like. Well, there's there's there is something that I want to bring up that seems very creepy and weird that I noticed on only on this watch. I think I know what you're talking about, and there is an explanation for it potentially. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah. So he's like just using this experiment. This like he's doing a positive reinforcement or negative reinforcement mm. um, experiment to try to you know, shock people when they get the answer wrong to a to a blind um, yeah. question. But he's only shocking the guy and not shocking the like attractive yeah. girl, um, and just using it as a as a pickup line. And then Ray comes in and he's like, oh, "Can you come back in like an hour and a half?" <laughs> and it's just like, like it's kind of like a little bit problematic these days. But it's just like, but what's funny about that whole thing is not just the problematic part there, but it's the fact that the guy being zapped, yeah, is predicting the next card. He's, yeah, he's an alien. So he, he's he's like Actually, he like he shows it the squ- there's a square card, and he's like, I don't know, uh, circle, and he's like, no, zaps him. Next card he holds up, circle. circle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two like wivelly lines. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> he gets it. Yeah, right. He's he's literally predicting the future. But Venkman's too interested in yeah. the girl. And to then notice. he gets to the last one. And he's like, some wavy lines, which it is. Yeah. And then he gets zapped. Yeah. <laughs> And just the little things like, yeah, when they zap him and his gun falls out and he then picks yeah. it up and puts it back in again. Yes. <laughs> but it's the fact that he's not paying attention to the results because she's, no. I think she's predicting, she predicts the cards that have just been. She goes backwards, I think, doesn't she? She like, always yeah. gets it wrong. But like, like, she always gets, she gets it wrong, but she's doing the cards that have already been on the other side, something along those lines. Yeah. Like, they're, re- they're, yeah. But it's, it's just fucking brilliant. And it's, uh, yeah, like, but just like little things like that. So like when you meet them and they're in these, they initially the sort of the idea is that they are scientists working for the university. Yeah. Um, and they've got some like lab, little some like 
but it feels like it's really sort of claustrophobic. Everything's piled on top of one another. This tiny little dingy room that they've got at the back of a building in the yeah. university. Um, and they're just like collecting a paycheck and just trying to, hoping that no one notices and, and what they're doing. And then, yeah. but, and then they get found out and have to go into business for, them sake, for themselves. And it's just, yeah, it's this, like the narrative of it is really simple, but it's brilliant. It's just like, it's an hour and 45 minutes. It doesn't get deep into like a bunch of law and rules and, and no. all the rest of it. It just, it is what it is. Just ghosts are real. There are ghosts. And yeah, and that's the other thing. People just accept ghosts are real now. And that's kind of it. We don't go into the like implications of it. Like there's one little thing later on where like the mayor and they've got the um what's it, the archbishop or whoever comes in. Yeah. Like, oh, we don't want to get involved in the uh the, the religious <laughs> implications of the ghost being real. <laughs> like, let's just leave it at that. I'm like, okay, cool. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um But, but also like, but then again, there's like there's subtext to explain when they're talking about the ghosts. Mm. But they don't go into it. No. They don't lay it out. No. They just they just go he says, "Oh, this building's perfectly designed, and like the you know this acceleration of this activity is because of this." Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, fine. <laughs> that's much. fine. That's all you need. You just need one line. There's like there's a little bit there's an internal logic to it, and that's fine. Like, yeah, you whatever. don't need twenty five minutes of backstory. No, I don't need to know. Like, but that's the thing. You can't get hung up on things like why does Slimer look like that, and then other ghosts look like people. And like yeah. one of them's like there's the cab driver who's a zombie. Yeah. But then like like it doesn't matter. It just it, it doesn't just, really matter. It's just that's it. That's the way it is. Like it doesn't matter. You know it's a ghost. You know it's a spook. Yeah. You know it's something. Yeah. Some sort of ghoul, spook, zombie, ghost, whatever it is. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. You don't need to explain it. You don't need to overanalyze it. You don't need to pick at it. It's a very simple and straightforward film, and that's why it really works. Yeah. Um, and like I say, everyone just bring their A game. You get Sigourney Weaver's in there, and she's yeah. brilliant. Like she just doesn't. That's what I like as well as that because Venkman can come across as like the way he obviously comes onto her like really strongly. It's like yeah. that could be like if it was anyone like other than Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, I don't think it would have worked as well. But she's just having none of his shit, and I love it. Yeah, she's just like thank you, get get out, get out. Yeah. Like, the the vibe between the two of them is is perfect. They've like yeah. probably met their match. But again, it's in those little subtle moments. Like I love the little bit where he's like looking around her um, apartment, and she goes, "Oh no, no, that's the bedroom." But nothing's ever happened in there, and he just like quietly goes, "Oh, that's a, that's a, a crime, or something like that. that that's criminal." Like that. Yeah. And like, and he just says that under his breath, and then you see her go, like smirk, go, "Fuck, say this guy," <laughs> like that. and that's it. It's like we all we all caught it. She caught it, and she's going, "Fucking hell, he's just he's just." Using this to pick up, try and pick me up, and he yeah. and, and kicks him out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, I love it. It's so good. Um, and yeah, Rick Moranis as just the long-suffering neighbour. Um, I've, I've never identified more with a character in my life. Really? Yeah. I did like if it, like I'm not one of the Ghostbusters. I'm fucking Lewis, aren't I? Let's be honest. Like, <laughs> which which one are you in? Okay. Um. I just it's my one of my favourite scenes of that whole thing is his party. Yeah, when, when he's, he's t- telling everyone that everything's tax deductible. Yeah, and, no, but he's just like, oh well, you... if you if you take the snacks into account, then and really I'm actually going to be making a profit this year. <laughs> like, I actually I actually am hosting this party on the basis of it being a business meeting because you're all clients, not actually my real friends. <laughs> and then like as people come in like, he tells everyone's entire tax history he's <laughs> yeah, yeah. like he's actually got a pretty successful business in Dragley and then the, the, the house has been remortgaged twice over but I think they're going to be okay like that and just, like, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing he's fucking amazing oh he's amazing he's so good and just like 
<laughs> and say, these the ghost birches are okay because one time I turned into a dog and they helped me. Oh, that's in two, <laughs> that's, isn't that's it? Where two. he becomes that's, a lawyer. That's in two, but we'll get into We're... that. But like, yeah, and it's just, you know, they they get to the, um, you get the big set pieces and stuff like the, you know, the big the sort of showdown at the end. Even that just feels very natural and yeah. sort of, and obviously the, the iconic things like the, um, the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Yeah. That's another thing where, like, I knew the image before I knew what it was from. Yeah. Like, I knew that there's a big marshmallow man with a sailor hat on. Yeah. I don't know what it's from. I just, I just know the image. I had the toy. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, it's all part of it. Like, it's just brilliant. And it all pulls together really well. Like, the villain is nothing, but it's not really about the villain. Like, this is one thing that I always hear is is the comparisons, like, as we start to sort of move into two. Mm. People always say, "Oh, yeah, but two's got like a really great villain." No, and looks, you're like, and you're like, well, scary. kind of, but one didn't need a villain because the characters are but what also, this film's about. It's not, it's not a goodies versus baddies. It's about these guys yeah. doing what they do. Yeah, and I think that the best thing they did, like, and I, st- I think it's better than anything they did in the second one in terms of the villain, is the whole possession element of it with Scorny Weaver, mm. and that's something again. It's one of those things where it's such a melting pot of people putting their own ideas in there that was her idea really she came into the audition thing and said I think I should be possessed in this movie yeah and apparently there's this audition tape she did where she thinks like what if I turns into a dog and she like goes up on all fours and like it's her in Ivan Reitman's office and they're filming it and yeah. he, he's promised her he will never show her the footage but she was like grabbing like cushions and like turning into a dog yeah and, like, um, but that was her idea and they went and they, Ivan Reitman went Actually, that would make sense if you think about the natural progression of like, and realise there was a point in the movie yeah. where that should happen. And that's really cool, that moment, where she's like, she like she opens the door and Frankman's there and she's all like... like yeah, she looks yeah. amazing. I mean, Jesus Christ, she yeah. looks unreal. The gatekeeper. Yeah, I'm the gatekeeper. I am, I am I'm the key, the key master. master. Um, but just, yeah, and that, that whole scene with her and... Um, and Vayman. but that that to me is better as a villain because it's a character we've come to know yeah. and then this is what this evil entity has done to yeah. that character it's not a painting of Vigo the Carpathian yeah, it's not just a thing that's evil and always has been evil and will always be evil and that's it yeah. it's, there's, some, there's a little bit more to it than that um, and I do like that scene like yeah it's just the um, <laughs> the subtle things that you don't notice when you're a kid and you pick up on now which is like, I want you inside me. And he just goes, I think there's more than one person in there at the moment. I'm just gonna, <laughs> I think that it might be a little bit overcrowded right in there right now. <laughs> yeah. So maybe not. And it's like, I never picked that up as a kid, yeah. you, but now you do. Like, it's like, yeah. Um, and was that the thing that you thought was a bit. No. What? It's the one of the final shots. All right. Yeah. When he kisses her. Because you can, you look and you go, mm. I don't think that was scripted. She doesn't look that comfortable with it. She actually pulls away at first and he just keeps going. And you're like, uh, is that, is it not? And it's just like... I feel like, yeah, Scorny, no, Scorny would have killed him. <laughs> she would have like, decked him. She would have broken him in half. Like, do you know what I mean? And not only that, she wouldn't have let them put, the, put let it be in no, the film. No, exactly. And uh, that's, that's, yeah. what, that's what sort of cemented it was because I watched it the other day and I was like, uh, and then I was like, don't forget, you're dealing. This is Sigourney Weaver. Like this is. Well, put it this way: if even if that had been the case, there would be absolutely no way in hell she'd come back for the second one. Yeah. Like if that had been like if, yeah. the, if Bill Murray had stepped over the line and done yeah, that, yeah. she would not have agreed to come back and be in the movie with him yeah. at the time because the pair of them spend a lot of time together in the yeah, second yeah. one. Um. So yeah, I know what you mean. It is a bit of an oddly. Like they probably should have done another take on that because it does look a bit odd. Yeah, it does. Um, it doesn't look altogether that. 
but I like all the stuff like is that that was the moment when they had the big crowd there and everyone's like chanting Ghostbusters. That was the story they told about how they finally got clearance for the name. So the, really? there was the whole thing where they couldn't use the name oh, Ghost, Ghost Smashers. They had to call themselves Ghost Breakers or something. Right. So there was Ghostbusters was owned because there was a like a weird old um, TV show called the Ghostbusters. Yeah. Which was and then the rights to that name were owned by Funimation, which who are the people who make He Man. Yeah. Um, and so they couldn't use the word the name Ghostbusters they were going trying to get it cleared whilst they were making the movie so when they were first making it they had to film everything twice yeah and do everything with Ghostbusters and Ghostbreakers and like the point where they put the, the sign on where it says Ghostbusters yeah they went right okay now take it down put Ghostbreakers up there. <laughs> like, this is fucking stupid this is crazy we can't do this and then the final thing that broke the bat was when they had all the um, extras out there chanting Ghostbusters Ghostbusters like that and the guy, one of the um, producers on the set, rang up like um, Paramount and said, right, I'm down here now, I've got 500 extras, and now I've got to try and get them to do it all over again with, with and Ghostbreakers and listen to what they're saying right now. And just people just chanting Ghostbusters, like, you've got to get that name changed. You've got to get it. And that oh, was the final amazing. thing they got it. But I love that. I love that. I hope, That's fucking brilliant. I love all those little stories about, like, yeah, like, and then... It, I think it turned out like the guy who was originally attached to it as a producer ended up owning Paramount who owned Funimation so he like just waved it through oh cool so like there's loads of little stories like that about all the stuff that went on in the background yeah um, and even like the, the special effects guys were all just people who'd been poached like from ILM right there was a guy who there was a guy from ILM who wasn't happy at ILM and just left and he just picked the best of the best from yeah. ILM and put it together his own little special effects unit yeah and they made because that's the other element. Well, I think there's, there's two parts. Well. Yeah, there's there's two elements that make it work. I think, and one of it is the cast mm. and just how great they all are, and the other element is the special effects. Yeah, and they're so cool. They're so they great. Are I mean, you watch it now, and obviously there are things that have aged, and you can see the, you can see a bit of the strings now. You can see like the jankiness of some of the yeah, stop yeah. motion stuff, but that's part of the charm. Well, exactly. Like, just... You're very aware. Like you can see from see from the film stock and the film grain, the fashion, the mm. cars, everything, the music, that it's it's of a time. It's a classic film now. You know, it's it is you know thirty seven years old. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah, it's amazing. But yeah, like, all, all those um, all those effects work really well. Like the proton packs, or just it's yeah. just cool, isn't it? The rotoscoping of like the the nuclear and the thing. Like one of the things that I like about it is that you can like, and this is one of the main things that I have a complaint about with the new newest one so far, the the third one, is that when the guys in Ghostbusters activate the proton packs, they're all like, oh yeah, like you can see them all yeah. like. Take like a shot. A, and you, again, there's weight to it. There's, and there's another heft. great little moment that they, they they kept in there, and again, it's a completely like silent moment, isn't it? When they're in the lift and Ray turns his on, yeah, and they go, mm, and they like they step and, back yeah. from it a little bit. They go, oh, maybe we shouldn't have turned that on whilst we were all in here. Like the, you yeah. get the feeling that they're they're actually like scary bits of equipment. Yeah, like you're walking around with the nuclear reactor on your back. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the thing. And like when they say about like crossing the streams. Like think about all life, yeah, as you know it. And it's, well, it's I, I can't like, remember the exact line. No, but I it, can't. But it's just like, and I love just the the juxtaposition of that. So like the fact that they were carrying this heavy equipment, and they make a point of like how difficult that is because like the whole thing when they go into the building is like, fuck, how many stairs are there? Yeah. It's like, right, tell me when we hit floor twenty because I'm gonna throw up. 
the, the idea that they're just they're always like they're not like the best fighters or like they're not the most physical guys in the world they're all throughout the first movie they're constantly smoking the whole thing like they're just they're yeah. walking around with like ghost traps smoking like like steam coming out of them and ray's just got a fang hanging out of his mouth yeah like a workman like oh yeah fucking oh yeah <laughs> i love it I love how here just... we go don't cross the screen streams why it would be bad I'm fuzzy on the whole good-bad thing. What do you mean, bad? Try to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule of your body exploding at the speed of light. Ray, total protonic reversal. Peter, that's bad. Okay, all right. Important safety tip. Thanks, Egon. <laughs> like, But like, it's that. It's like, again, that, <clears throat> that comes back to that. It's that bit in the, um, in the mayor's office where they're, like, they're explaining all the things that could go... or everything's going to go wrong. It's like, right, but there's going to be, you know, spatial extrusions and all, and that, like, Egon and um, Ray are using all this, like, t- like um, technical things. <laughs> yeah. like, but, like, Egon's saying science. Ray is talking about, like, biblical yeah. things. And then, and then, and then Bateman comes in with a, there's a mass hysteria, cats and dogs living together. Because, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, like, he's still, even at that point, he doesn't really take it that seriously. No. Like, he's still like, yeah, whatever. Just wants it. to have a voice in the room. He's just, oh, fuck it, whatever. He's, just, he's actually, the whole time, is oh, fuck it, whatever. I just, I love And that. it's, yeah. Um, and yeah, and then of course, then that's also the iconic moment with the um, with uh, the the foil for the whole thing, which is um, Walter Peck. Yes, um, played by Richard Atherton, Atherton, I think his name is. Yeah, uh, who is so. also the same. Plays a very similar role in Die Hard. Um, he plays the he's the um, Hans, Bobby. No, no, that's not. He's him. not him, is it? No, he's the he's the um, reporter, the TV reporter. Oh yeah, fuck he is. He did Harvey. And it's like, I'm going to go down and steal the truck. It's like, Nakatobi Plaza and all that shit. Yeah. And then, and then the Holly punches him out at the end. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like, he's the, that's what I love about it. It's so 80s because it's like, think of like memorable people you remember from other 80s movies. So you got like Ripley from fucking Aliens. You got that guy from Die Hard. You got all that and pull them all together and put them in a perfect 80s yeah. movie. It's, yeah. And then on top of that, the music. I mean, yeah. Ghostbusters, the song Ghostbusters, just like <clears throat> yeah. I can't, you can't imagine how much difference that must have made to it as a phenomenon. Do you know what I mean? Like they, because it made a shitload of money at the box office, but that song, yeah, made, like who was originally going to do it? Huey Lewis. That was it. It was Huey Lewis in the news, and they were like, we don't want to, because they were just about to do um, Back to the Future, and they were yeah. like, we don't want to be just the the um, the soundtrack guys. Yeah. So they, yeah, they ended up getting um, fucking. Oh, what's his name? Something Junior. Ray Davis Junior. Ray. Ray Sorry. Parker Junior. Ray Parker Junior. Ray Parker Junior. Um, yeah, and it, it. I mean, it's iconic, isn't it? It's amazing. Yeah. And you get all the like, the the video of like the, all the guys in their suits like dancing in, in Times Square. Yeah. And it's just like, and it's yeah, it, you can't not love it. Really, you can't. It, it's cheesy and silly, but it's brilliant. Um, and like the moment in the movie when they deploy it, like during the um, the montage when like they suddenly become famous. It's great. That's yeah. one. That, that has got to be one of the all-time best montages, hasn't it? It's got to be. It's fucking brilliant. And the fact that they were describing it like, like you watch it now and you see the magazine cover yeah. montage. Yeah. But when you look back, you go, "Hang on, was that the first time that was done?" Might have been. Because I think it was. Might have been. Yeah, it might. Have and been it's like... been like much rift ever since. But it was like 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 the producer. Well, we saw that. We were watching the doc earlier. And the producer was like, oh, yeah, I just had this idea where it would be like 
showing all like the magazines, like the New Yorker and the paper and time yeah. and stuff like that being the first like instance of doing that, of being able to use that as the montage. Yeah. And you just go, fuck, that's really good. Yeah. Even if it wasn't the first, it landed so effectively yeah, in that. Yeah, it's such a great idea, a great way of conveying that, you know, mm. of getting the, look, these guys have made it big. Um, and yeah, it's interesting, actually. So, yeah, I think... I don't know what else there is to say about the first one. I don't really think there is. I think if we phase into... Yeah, we talk about the second. I think that's because... what's interesting about the second one, because they have a similar montage in the second one, because the problem with Ghostbusters 2 is that it's basically, it's the... 22 Jump Street philosophy of yeah. it's the same case do the same thing do the same thing do the same thing and like it's exactly it, the same thing do is, the same thing yeah it is like beat for beat exactly the same like they start out down on their luck because mm-hmm. no one believes them anymore for some reason which doesn't make any sense yeah because they, we all saw that like 100 foot tall marshmallow man we all yeah. saw it like um, so now they're like their children's entertainers uh, Ray and Winston are um, and uh and then they, yeah, and then they go. Then they have to go through the whole thing of being like they're catching a ghost, and then being made legitimate again. And then they have another montage where we're back, everybody, and they yeah. go around like, and saving the day. And then it all just like it's repeating the exact same. And even like the finale at the end, they have to go right. Well, we've got to have some big thing walking down the streets of New York because that yeah. worked last time. Uh, Statue of Liberty. Yeah, all right, cool. And yeah. it's like they just it's always it's the same, but just not as good. It's, yeah. The one thing that I do want to say. First of all, I'm going to confess, I didn't actually watch it this week, uh, but because I've watched it about 6,000 times in my life, so <laughs> okay. I really need to watch it. Yeah. Um, like, I rented it, and I went to watch it, but just didn't get time. Fair enough. Uh, but it's, the I thing that I, watched, I find... I watched it this morning, literally. Really? So, yeah. The, th- the thing that I, like, there's a couple of things in hindsight, when I was sitting there sort of thinking back over it. The whole through line of the real the reason that all the ghosts are coming back and the power from Vigo yeah. is because of all this hatred that's being spewed out yeah. in the media and the press and like mm. everybody hates everybody and see, like they, everybody's that... so and it's just this frustration that Aykroyd must have or whoever wrote it, I think it was Dan Aykroyd, but the frustration of like like being in a big city and everything being really weighing down mm. heavy and like you know, historically, when you look across, like, popular culture and the way that it portrays New York, it's very, very hostile. Yeah. And especially, like, pre-9-11, like, it's this really, really hostile city mm. and everyone wants to beat you up or stab you or rob you or don't go into the park or don't go down an alley, yeah. of which there aren't any alleys in New York. No. Um, which every tour guide will be one of the first things that they'll point you, point out to you is that this the real estate in New York is so expensive that you can't even afford an alleyway because it's it's too expensive. Yeah. Someone will build on it. Yeah. And, um, and I like that through line. Mm. I like that because it's like this negative energy that's going through. And then it takes the Ghostbusters to inspire the people of New York to sort of really see this symbol again, you know, that's out in the Harbor, out in the Hudson and to sort of unify about it. But at that point, they're still like, when they first start trying to do it, they fuck up. And everyone's like, boo! Yeah. And then they're like, oh shit, what do we do? Let's get a musical montage going. Let's yeah. use the good energy. The, this is where it gets a bit wobbly. Yeah. But like the good energy ectoplasm, yeah. the slime, 
and they will spray that all across the inside of the Statue of Liberty, and then they put on the music, which gets everyone going. To de- to this day, that song still gets me going. Yeah. And uh, they walk through New York, and everybody's like, yeah, Ghostbusters! They smash a hole in the thing, they go in, they zap it, and everyone ends up happy. Yeah. But I think that's a really interesting concept for 1989. Yeah. It is, but I don't think, like, maybe, like, you've... It's interesting the way you talked about it then, because you talked about the whole idea of it being like there are elements of how hostile the city is and like the like the media like making people angry and all that yeah. kind of stuff. That's not in the film. Yeah, that might be like as you, that, that's a way of reading it. Yeah, it's a way of like you could project that onto it and go that's that you're right. That is a really interesting comment that said. That's not in the film. This is a much no. more the thing with this with the second one is that it feels like a much more sanitized kid friendly yeah one. like even to the point where like they don't smoke in the second one no oh well all. that's the thing like that's one of the things that i always remember about being a kid is that it feels a lot cleaner yeah it does it, it feels cleaner it feels like everything feels like it's shot on a set now yeah the first one felt dirty it felt lived in and real. yeah well they're having fags you can see sweat patches on their yeah. jumpsuits and they're all dirty yeah. and bathed and covered in grease <laughs> and I love, there are little moments like there's a great um line in the in the second one where it's like sucking the gut guys with ghostbusters that's cool little things like that where you you do get that real world element of it but it's just I think it's a case of the film is like it was a victim of its own success by the time they got the second one round yeah and there's elements of that again that I think like the natural thing to do in making a sequel would have been to have it be like because it was always the undercurrent there in the first one where it's like Venkman saw it as an opportunity to get rich yeah so, but like he sort of an opportunity to get rich, but at the same time, like the other two are so naive and so excited by the science of it, they don't realise that you need money to keep this operation running. Yeah. So thank God we got Mankman as a as a front man to like when they go into the hotel and go, no, that will be five thousand dollars. Yeah. And like get them right, that funds us for another three months. You don't understand? Yeah, yeah. Like that's. Um, but like. I'd like the idea that the natural progression for that would have been like Venkman trying to like franchise it out and sell the technology and all the rest of it. Yeah. And Egon and um, uh, Ray not wanting to do that and there being a fracture between them. Yeah. And then you uh, you pick up and then sequels like we've got to come back together again. Yeah. That would have been an interesting natural. Yeah. Like, but they don't really do that. They sort of hint at it a little bit because they had the whole idea where like Venkman's doing a TV show. Yeah, he's a cable TV presenter. Yeah, uh, and Ray he, is Ray just working in a shop now. Ray's just working in a, in a bookshop, yeah. like a cult bookshop, which is yeah. very, which is pretty much what Dan Aykroyd does. Yeah, um, but he's also doing the children's entertainment thing with Winston. Oh yeah. Which, <laughs> oh, love, um, they want He Man, don't yeah, they? Which is like, a great He Man. Yeah, He-Man. Exactly, which is a great little like fuck you because of the the whole backwards thing with Funimation owning the Ghostbusters. Yeah, I love that sort of come full circle. Um, and the the little kid who comes up and says, "My dad says you're full of shit." Is yeah. Justin Reitman? Jason Reitman. Jason Reitman. Sorry, who, who, so it's Ivan Reitman's son and Jason Reitman, who's about to direct. Who's directed Afterlife? Afterlife. Yeah, that that's be, fucking cool. That's cool, isn't it? That's very cool. Yeah. Um, so, like, yeah. So they are. They they do start off from that point where they're all fractured. I feel like that would have been like do a bit of a yeah. I don't know a character arc where it's about them rediscovering their friendships and all that. But it's not really that. Like Venkman just walks in the room. They went, "Oh, hi, Pete. How you doing?" Yeah, and that's it. And they just. They go, hey, do you, do you want to dig up a big hole down the middle of a street and start looking at some ooze? Yeah, I've got nothing yeah. going on. Like, they will just like <laughs> drop whatever the fuck they were doing before and just start doing the Ghostbusters thing again. I'm like, okay, it just doesn't feel as real, does it? Like the first one, it felt like they got kicked out, they had to do something. What, what were we gonna do? If it was like they became Ghostbusters out of necessity, like yeah, like they fell into it yeah. like through happenstance. Yeah, and, like, call it fate. 
Call it yeah. karma. Yeah, <laughs> I like love that. and that yeah. Every time you think it's going to turn into a musical, every time it does that. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's it it was. I don't know. Part of the reason that I didn't watch it was because I know how hmm. it's so poorly received nowadays. Like, yeah. and, like especially with it, like you know, we're about to come up to afterlife and stuff. And I'm like, I remember it fairly fondly. I remember it not being as good. I remember watching it as an adult and being like, oh, yeah, you know. But and there are some interesting things. And then there's the, um, uh, you know, so Dean is back and Sigourney Weaver's back in it. But now she's an art historian, not that, a musician anymore. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand that's, that. That's a hard change. Or <laughs> like she says at one point, so they, she has a point where she, she's restoring, she's um, restoring old paintings. Yeah, and she says to it's Peter McNichols in it as well. Yeah, who's fucking bizarre. <laughs> yeah, he's brilliant. He's brilliant. Like, he's weird <laughs> as fuck, and like he's doing what like. <laughs> Oh, he was a. I remember vividly. Remember him as I'll a kid. I tell you what, I've um I've realised now as well. I'm watching him and he, the accent that he does in it. I feel like that has become the basis for all the accents in um, what we do in the shadows. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. vaguely Eastern, roughly yeah. Eastern Europeanish. Oh my God, no! Like, <laughs> it's not very good for us to see. <laughs> oh my Lord, I will do whatever you say. Like that. <laughs> but it's so screeched and high pitched yeah it's so over the top and it's just like uh, yeah but uh, I mean it's because they, they're trying to just do the same but more again but like they have him but then they also still have Lewis in it yeah Lewis is great in the second one to be fair yeah he becomes the fifth Ghostbuster doesn't he kind of yeah And then, but he has the relationship with um, I keep forgetting Janine Janine I keep wanting to call her Annie um, which the um, actress is called Anne isn't it oh yeah yeah um Janine, yeah, so he has a, that, that that whole sequence is quite funny. When, like, she comes in and they're, like, they've been making out on the couch and his hair's all up. Oh, hi. Oh, sorry, we were watching something and just one thing led to another and I just don't know where I was out. So <laughs> <laughs> like, it's all right, you can go home. We don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> so good, I love it. Um, so it's, that's the thing. The second one is not without its merits, and but I think all the merits come from the cast. It yeah. comes from the fact that they... they even though Do, it, Ray, Egon. Egon, yeah, things like, little moments <laughs> like that, like brilliant, and it's just and it, it can only work because they're all, they all agreed to come back and do yeah. it. You can tell that the chemistry isn't quite as good as it was the last time. I think maybe well, they that's, fell out, didn't they? No, I think so. The, the falling out between Bill Murray and um, Harold Ramis hadn't happened yet. That happened on um, uh, Groundhog Day. Yeah, but I know that I know that during this. There was a lot of not anonymity, but there was a lot of frustration between them because I remember reading about the, uh, I think it was the script. They were all given a script. Yeah, and that's not what they. And then when they turned up, they were give that that wasn't what they were making, and so that's why it feels so fractured. Yeah, it's literally like I think they originally like Dan Aykroyd had a whole different idea for it, and it was Mm. they was going to come out of New York, and they was like. They were going to go to Scotland for some reason. Yes. Yeah, fuck. They were going to go to Scotland. Uh, Dina was going to get kidnapped. Yeah. They were going to go to Scotland and then... It was all going to be underground. Fairies and stuff. like. Yeah, fairies. And then it was going to go into a magical... Like It sounded like a bit like Hellboy almost. Yeah. Um, and they scrapped all of that. And I was like, I appreciate... like Because, again, what Dan Aykroyd had originally in mind for the first one would not have worked. It was too out there and too yeah. weird. So I appreciate you got to rein it in a little bit. But there's raining it in, and then it just forcing them to make the same movie they just made again. 
which is what they did essentially is like like yeah. I say beat for beat exactly the same there's a big showdown and a big public building with those, with a crowd outside chanting them everything about it is just the, a carbon copy yeah. of the of the first one just not as good um which is a shame um it's a shame again like you say it's not without its merits like, it's, like the visual effects in this are fucking crap oh, they're great the they're great well. like, like I, the statue of liberty scene is like much as it is kind of a rip off and a kind of you know it's still good it's still like, good and it, like i will maintain that the 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 courthouse scene courthouse scene is great the courthouse scene is just it defines ghostbusters for yeah. me especially too when you're talking about like the negative energy coming from the ectoplasm it's just yeah when they're all screaming and everybody and they're like and they're all look at one another and they're all like okay and they're like egging everybody on to like get it happen and then the ghost of those brothers the yeah. the brothers in the electric chairs turn up and yeah. the, the, the the judge freaks out yeah Oh, it's fucking so good, man. The whole like, thing where they... Yeah, so they have the... the it's one of my favourite scenes from yeah. all of Ghostbusters is yeah. the courthouse. Like, I don't um, care if it's from two. It's fucking brilliant. It is. Yeah, no, fair play. It is really good. And just like... And the, the way they manage... They deploy all the equipment. So they have the yeah the proton packs and then the trap at the bottom yeah. of it and get it down and it's like right, yeah. perfect. Um, and the whole... But even in amongst all that chaos, they still manage to have like the interaction with the judge. Yeah. Like the whole thing where like um, Venkman like sort of goes, well, we can't get involved because there's a court order against us, isn't there? Yeah. He goes, all right, all right, I rescind the court order. Okay, cool. Now we can go and help. So even then he uses this opportunity to... Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. And the, well, I had the Ghostbusters, like going nostalgia, like the Ghostbusters <laughs> trap, I had it. And it was a, it was a little box it. with wheels on the bottom and you slid it out. And and the pedal yeah. was uh, was a rubber like, thing. and you stomped on it, and it used air to pop the flaps open. Yeah, which is just the fucking genius design of toys in the eighties. It's so yeah. basic, but yeah, I remember that really. Well. I vaguely remember something like that. I think even maybe it was one of the kind of things where it might not have been my toy. Maybe my cousin might have had it or something. Right, but I I, I remember. And, but I remember it and having the doors and everything, but not quite understanding what it was. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Because I like probably was a bit young to understand the film. Or yeah, but um, yeah, <laughs> Ghostbusters Two is very much product of his time. There are some weird things in there, like obviously they did the five year time jump. I I think the most questionable thing, but I, I completely I can get on board with a river of ooze that's fueled by negative energy. Mm. I can get on board with the evil painting. Vigo the Carpathian. And and all that shit. What I can't get on board with is the idea that Scorny Weaver and Bill Murray were together for a bit after the first movie. Then she left, they left and she got married, had a baby, and then divorced the guy that she was married to and now is single again with the baby. And that all happened in the space of five years. That I reject. Okay. That seems like a lot of shit to happen in five years. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's just me. Maybe <laughs> to meet someone and be with the with them long enough to then then to propose and then you go and get married then have a baby then that relationship fall apart that feels like a long yeah. stretch of time and plus on top of that presuming like her and he got her and them um, must have been together for a little bit of time after the first movie we well, think maybe like so, a year well yeah long enough because she said the reason that when when we broke up it was when you started introducing me as the old ball and chain. So that <laughs> implies they were together for at least a little bit of time. Yeah. Well, you think the baby is what is less than he is. They said eight months old. Eight months old. Yeah. When they're doing the examination, they say he's uh, he's a, he's about yay high. Yeah. Um, it's like eight months old. Take a lift. Um. So anyway, then um, we've got a we've been kicking around the edges of it, but we've got to talk about it. So tonight, 
in preparation for this recording, we watched um, Ghostbusters 2016. Or Ghostbusters Answer the Call, as it's called in other territories. Yeah. Um, this is the first time I've ever seen it, was tonight. Yeah. I've avoided it like the plague, because I um, had heard how bad it was. Um, but I have to say, it's one of the most painful experiences um, of my life, uh, in terms of something I've had to watch. <laughs> it was horrible. Um, so this was, yeah, so what we're talking about now is the Melissa McCarthy, Kirsten Wig. Um, yeah reboot that they attempted uh back in 2016 um and it's a difficult one to talk about because there's a lot of baggage around it obviously there was a lot of app like internet hate around even the idea of it when it was first sort of announced and you started seeing all the um trailers for it because of the you know the female ghostbusters and they're all, well, all even the, before it was announced yeah. before the trailers even came out yeah the way they, that it was announced with the paul feig yeah and then the like the feig like uh group that he sort of tends to work with yeah so Kristen Vig, Kate McKinnon Melissa McCarthy Leslie Jones uh amongst others yeah um and this thing like Paul Feig even like because he directed Bridesmaids didn't he yeah so it's not like he can't make good comedies and stuff no, like that he no, just... he's made good things like he's made other shiters as well but He's made good stuff. Melissa McCarthy's very, very, like, outside of her falling over and saying shit snacks and having that as her de rigueur. Like, she's genuine, a very, very talented actress. Like, with some of the performances you've seen with, um, oh, fuck, I forgot what it's called now. Film that she did with Richard E. Grant a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, shit. Can You Ever Forgive Me or something like yeah. that, isn't it? Yeah. Is fucking brilliant yeah, she's a great actress yeah and the same with like Kirsten Wiig I've always rated yeah like she's she's funny but like, I think the problem is with the pair of them is that they, they get typecast and they just there's a, sh- a shtick that when they expect- come together yeah they just fall into this they do this thing they do they do that mm. do that thing you do yeah and yeah. that's it and that's all they've, they've got like Kirsten Wiig's like oh, oh, okay <laughs> that yeah. little thing which is a little bit awkward a little bit a bit shy like, bit little bit silly, shy a little bit, bit giggly yeah, around looking after one, and then um Fucking Miss McCarthy is like she shouts at people and she's like bullshit and she's like oh my god and she falls over a lot and she falls over a lot and I was like oh, and, they, and so when they do Ghostbusters they, it's just them doing that but in a Ghostbusters movie yeah and it's barely even a Ghostbusters movie like I I can't describe how much I fucking hated this film <laughs> Everything. see right I've seen I saw this film when it came out yeah and I when it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. But it's not good, and sadly, Chris Hemsworth is the best thing in the entire. Thing. He is, and like that's that's a really it feels like a really problematic thing because like, given all the context that we were just saying about how it, and it became this lightning rod of all these like fucking anti women fucking incel you know, groups, incel feminine, you know, dickheads who thought it was you know I was Hollywood, Hollywood gone mad. So now, if you criticise it and you say that the one bloke in the cast is the one good thing about it. Mm. It sounds like you're saying the women aren't are shit and they're not. That's mm. not what I'm saying. I, I can't stress that enough. It's not because of them being women that it's not funny. It's the fact that it's just not fucking funny. Yeah. Like it's, they're trying, like every, it's so overwritten or even if it's overwritten or it's over improvised yeah. to try and get a laugh. And that's what I was saying to you as we were watching it. Like every scene goes on for like one minute longer than it needs to. Because they're trying to get a punchline. They're desperate. Somebody say something funny, please. Yeah. And they're just, everybody they meet as well. And it's just like... It feels like there wasn't a script. No. It feels like there was a plot and there was a screenplay that wasn't a script. 
Like, there are certain beats that they have to hit, but all yeah. the rest of it, they're like, go be funny. Yeah, but, like, that worked Like that worked in the first one when you've got, mm. like, Bill Murray and those guys doing it. It made, it worked. And I think it's partly because, I don't know, they were all just bringing different energies to it. So, like, Sigourney Weaver's idea about yeah. her being possessed, that wasn't a comedic idea, but it was a good dramatic idea yeah. from someone who's got a good dramatic background. Whereas, and there's no drama in this. No, whereas with this one, it's all just, like, they're all comedians and they're all trying to be the funniest. And yeah. that, but, like, that extends beyond just the Ghostbusters themselves. It's everyone they come into contact with. Yeah. That every single person has a bit. Yeah. Like, every, like they meet a bloke on the subway who's doing a... Um, uh, who's do- doing graffiti and he does the whole thing where he's looking at them and then spraying it like that because yeah. he's trying to be funny and then they meet the guy that, that he um, uh, the hotel manager or whatever or the equivalent yeah. of and he goes I've got a really bad shriek and then like they set that up as a joke so then he shrieks later on he's like yeah. there's got to be some people that you meet like in the first one there were people they met in the real world who were just normal people yeah. who felt it was, this is all a bit silly isn't it and roll their eyes at the Ghostbusters yeah there's nothing of that in this one. Every no. single person feels like the dean of the college. Yeah, of not even the first one. The like the uh, 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 Columbia is oh, yeah. played by Charles Dance for a bit. Yeah, and then the next one's played by another guy who's just a fucking cartoon character. He's like, like doing this weird, like he's flipping them off, but he's doing some sort of like weird comedy routine with it that he's practiced beforehand, where like he does the whole like blowing up your finger so it like like a balloon. Yeah, all this shit. I'm like. These, none of them feel like real people no like you could have one funny guy and again like even the funny guy in the first Ghostbusters was a dry humour like like you, he was throwing away these little lines that once you think about it for a second it's really fucking funny yeah but with these it's like it's, everyone's trying to do a fucking mm. and, they, and the thing like going back to what I said about the Chris Hemsworth bit like he's not funny in everything that he does like a lot of the jokes that he does don't land no but a few of them do. But a few any, of them do. Any, anyone's that like, there's because that's the thing. The, the joke ratio in this one is ridiculous because yeah. they're just so they're so desperate for a laugh that they just like scattergun every single possible opportunity yeah. for a laugh. But with Chris Enzo's ones, they're the only ones that hit. Yeah. Well, some of the only ones. That like hit. some of Kate McKinnon's lines. Kate McKinnon's hit. ones. Like there's yeah. a couple. They they all have like one or two that Moments, hit, but it's yeah. so it's <clears throat> it's so buried mm. under so much crap. Yeah. And like you say, like every character in it, they're trying to make every character a funny character. Yeah. Like everyone's a uh, like um, is it Jared? From, yeah, Jared from from, from Silicon, Silicon Valley. Valley. He's like like the first person you see in the film, and you think, oh, he's going to be like the straight man here, and they're like, oh no, he makes this joke where he's like, Ed, Ed's been dead for fifteen years, and you're like, oh my god. And I'm like, oh, maybe he was a. And he's like, oh, that guy, that's Ed Junior. And you're right, right. That is a quite a that good quite joke. Good. That was a quite good, yeah. And you go, right, that works in a ghost film. But the thing with that and is, and then like, they go, oh, oh, you. And he was like, oh yeah, I managed to get over. And he's like, but you said you soiled your pants. And you're like, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, that's the, exactly the kind of thing where, like, that's exactly an example of what I was saying about the scene going on too long. Yeah, like, the scene should end with that punchline. The punchline of, oh yeah, this is Ed Junior. For fuck's sake. Then they cut it to inside. That's it. Yeah. But they go, no, let's go for a minute and long, minute and a half longer and go, oh yeah, he was quite scared. He told me, he ran me up and told me he soiled himself. And so, oh, well, was it, I know, right, that's enough. Nope, keep going. Was it a front? Did you? Was it a poo or was it a number, what, number one or a number two? Yeah. Because that depends, like, what, what kind of ghost we're dealing with. Could It's like, right, you're milking this. Stop it. Yeah. Move on. It wasn't funny. Stop trying to make it funny by adding more shit to it. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't, yeah, it, oh, it's so frustrating to watch. It's fucking... And it just, the the longer it goes on, the less you care. 
Yeah. And then it becomes this, and and part of the reason that with all the stuff that happened in this film, they spent a fuck ton of money on it. Yeah. This film was, oh god, I'm trying to remember how much it was. It's like a hundred and fifty million dollar film. Yeah. Which is especially in 2015 when it was made is mm. is not anything to be sniffed at. And then they spent about $300 million in total with the marketing and it bombed big time. But one of the things that they did within this, they just peppered it with like bright neon lighting and like, it's the, like the the joke that's in there. There's a joke about Blu-ray. It's not even a joke. It's just on the billboard. I made it into a joke because there's so much of it. That's like, Right, this film shot in 4K in high dynamic range in full Blu-ray format. You know, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. It's going to look amazing. And it does. It looks fantastic. And all the colours pop and everything's really, really vivid. You know what it doesn't do? doesn't fucking care about anything else. It just is bright and neon to the point that the colour grading makes it look like a child's film. Yeah. So it looks like the Scooby-Doo films. Yeah. It's so bright and neon and colourful. and like, But then Melissa McCarthy falls over and says, ah, oh, shit. Yeah. And you just go, oh, fucking hell. Like, it's, just, just, it's just the never-ending barrage of jokes that don't land over and over and over and over again. It's too long. It's not funny. Yeah. Like, find, find some sort of drama to it find something that we can latch onto to care about because yeah. i didn't give a fuck about any of these characters no. i think that's the worst thing is that they don't they, the characters themselves are so ill-defined like when, again mm. when you all you can do is compare it to the original right and so again like you've got so in theory you're trying to think right well who are they the equivalent of like so it's Melissa mccarthy meant to be the version of egon who takes it all very very seriously he's all about the science yeah and you start out like that and then within the first scene then she has the whole big the stupid bit they keep coming back to because for some reason they think it's funny about her getting food delivered and not having the right amount of wontons or whatever. Yeah. And then so by the first time you meet her, by the end of the scene, she's ringing up the delivery place to complain about a wonton that was in the bottom of it that was split in half and all that kind of shit. It's like, Egon would never do that because he's all about the science. I'm like, yeah. right, well, you you can't be all things. They can't all be the fun. And they've all got their own individual bits, but then they're all trying to be funny with one another. And they've basically all got the exact same sense of humour. Yeah, and they're just like none. Of, they're so they're not defined characters at all. They're just the, these actresses just doing their bit, mm. and that's it. Whereas with the others, that yeah, the Dan Aykroyd like played Ray, and Ray. This is what Ray's all about. This yeah. is how Ray thinks, and what he says is funny because in contrast to the other guys. Yeah, but that's it. It's like you didn't, and yeah. you try and you start to try and get that with Erin, uh, and she's just like this really earnest character. Yeah, and then, she, then even that but becomes then, like... But then nothing happens just with it. She well, yeah, just she becomes starts, this simpering fangirl over Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, she starts like that. Then, yeah, then there's the Chris Hemsworth bit, which is just, like, really reductive and fucking stupid. And they keep making this whole thing about, look how hot Chris Hemsworth is. And, like, yeah. that, in again, that's another, like, in theory, that sounds quite funny. Like, the idea where it's, like, they always objectify the... Um, the sec- that They want to hire a sec- sexy secretary, and then yeah. you've got Chris Hemsworth... Yeah. as the male secretary to a bunch of women like that's in itself is quite a funny idea yeah but they don't really like they just like they use it as an excuse to turn Kirsten Wig into a fucking prick like an idiot yeah she's just a fucking idiot a simpering idiot yeah and that's it and that's the joke more so than anything else yeah like but they could have made something really good of that whole 
uh, gender reversal of that relationship. Well, just not even like the gender reversal. Just make it funny. Yeah. Just write it better. And there are bits like, like I just do... stop having her just being like just nervously bumble over her words because it's she's done that a thousand times. Yeah. And we've seen that a thousand times in other things. Like, yeah. So if you're going to do it, try and do it a little bit more originally. Like, have her be the badass, like, front person well, of like the have... team who everybody looks to and is, like, really looks up to her. And they're like, oh, she's brilliant. She's really tough. She's really strong. She's really focused. She's really career-driven. She's got this amazing career that she's really worked towards. She's really driven, focused, and strong. But when she comes across this guy, she just doesn't know how to talk to guys. I would love it if... Like, Maybe that would be funny. Yeah, but I would, I would love it if... No, but even not even that. Like, I would like the idea that, like, all the other women, like, go, Jesus Christ, he's hot or whatever, and then just and leave it at that. And they don't know... Like, he's only got eyes for her. Yeah. And, like, he, like, f- tries to flirt with her and all of that, but she's so oblivious to it. Because, like, Egon. Like, yeah. Egon doesn't realise he's being flirted with. Yeah. I correct spores, fungus, and moulds, and then walks yeah. off. Like that. Can you imagine that, like... And it, like you get to the end of the movie, like constantly, you've got this like the sexiest man in the world flirting with you. You don't yeah. realise because you're just that, mm. and it becomes down to it at the end of it. She goes, well, "Why would he be interested in me?" Like her self confidence is that low. Yeah, and they go, "Why wouldn't he be?" Mm. And then you get that moment where you realise, yeah, you can have the fucking supermodel husband yeah. if you want. Yeah, and like and that and then you get you know he's attracted to her because of her intelligence, not because of anything else and all that yeah. sort of stuff. And he's fascinated by her work, like that. Like he's be... read all of her work. He's yeah. read both of her, but he's read all of her work she's currently doing, and the original one, and still respects her because he's done both. Yeah. Not because she's hiding behind what she used to be to become who she is now or who she was then. Have her be a fully defined character that has an interesting arc. Have any of them learn something about one another throughout these films? The yeah. only thing that happens in this is she goes, "I'm not going to abandon you again." Yeah, that that like that. Which is not the, no. There's no emotional drive no. to that, other than a half a half a paragraph of text. Yeah, within but the all they do is like those two, like because they meant to they meant to try and get across to us through that that it's Kirsten Wiggs and uh, Melissa McCarthy who like they're the emotional core of it, and they're like best friends who fell out and all the rest of it. Yeah, but they don't like spend the whole movie just bickering and just, like arguing over each other. Yeah, and I like, had stupid moments like the other one that really the one that really pissed me off was like when they killed they killed off Bill Murray, and then they yeah. spent they got they're down on the street going oh yeah and don't forget Point Break oh yeah Point Break's a great movie and they're just riffing about different Patrick Swayze movies yeah I'm like what the fuck are you doing you just killed Bill Murray who the fuck do you think you are yeah like I'm, I'm genuine like I can't, like honestly as we were watching it downstairs I was literally thinking to myself I've never walked out of a film in the cinema. Right, but I think there was multiple points where I'm like, if I'd seen this in the cinema, when would I have walked out? Yeah, now, no, now, no. Like there was just there were multiple moments where I was like, I couldn't have sat through it, and like if I paid to see it, yeah, which technically I have because it was on Netflix, but I don't know, charge me. I'm gonna try and get my 50p back from Netflix for that particular yeah. stream. Um, but yeah, it, it offended like, and the Bill Murray thing speaks to something as well as when they get they somehow managed to get pretty much every member of the. Of the surviving cast, so they had yeah. Dan Aykroyd turns up as a cabbie, Bill Murray turns up as this skeptic who calls them out on TV, and then turns up again. Only He's a to professional be, debunker. Yeah, only to the, he turns up again to their office, only to be very unceremoniously fucking killed, which really pissed me off. Yeah, um, and then Ernie Hudson right at the very end, and then in the post credits, Sigourney Weaver as well. And it's just like, oh god, and. Uh, Janine's in there. And Janine, well. yeah, Janine's the uh, the receptionist. Snooty receptionist. But Fuck. also, but one thing that I would say, the one, so, 
because of the experience that Bill Murray had on Ghostbusters 2 and the effect that it had on him and his career and the working relationship that he had with the other guys, yeah. he said that he would never do a Ghostbusters film again yeah. because of that. And then when he was asked by Dan Aykroyd, Dan Aykroyd basically spent all of the 90s trying to get Ghostbusters 3 to happen, and it didn't. Yeah. Bill Murray infamously said, I will be in Ghostbusters 3 as long as you kill me off. Right, okay. And uh, and then that's... I think that is what they've done. I guess so. But I like... think they've done that here and they've said... Um, right, we'll put you in it, but we'll kill you off. Yeah. If, if that's... And, he, and he's gone, okay, because he's Bill Murray. Yeah. But then I think that's the other big mistake they made, and that's going to be the biggest thing. So obviously we're going to... We'll wrap this up now and we'll start thinking about what the next one's going to be. Because what's happening now is they're doing another attempt at a reboot, obviously, because like this last 2016 went down so poorly that they just completely scrapped the whole thing. Even though clearly they wanted it to start a new franchise and they had post credit scenes mm. setting up Zool and all that kind of shit. But for whatever reason, they decided to have it this one be completely out of continuity with the originals. Good. Yeah, I'm glad they did because it's like a weird Elseworlds thing. But it means that they had like Bill Murray in it, but he's not playing Venkman. Mm. He's playing a completely different character and the same with all the others. Um, and it seems, that, yeah, that seems like such a weird missed opportunity. I think maybe it was just in 2016, were we not in the era of nostalgia? Were we not in the era of calling back to things? Because it just seems yeah. like that's a no brainer, isn't it? But For I it- think basically, so Dan Aykroyd was an exec producer on this. Mm. And I think what they'd, if you notice at the start of the film, it's called the, the it's like the production company is yeah. like Ghost Corp. Yeah. With the, with the Ghostbusters logo. So it's the Ghostbusters yeah. logo, but it's called Ghost Court. And, it's, and I think that was them trying to set up like a shared universe with the original and the, with the aim of using this as a franchise setup and then being able to link in the original stuff with like dimensional... So you think if ghosts and other dimensions... Yeah, like, maybe. I don't know. I just, like, yeah. I'm glad they exist in its own space. But I feel like, again, it's such a missed opportunity because like they tell this back... like The, the core of it should have been the story between... Miss McCarthy and Kirsten Weed's characters mm. and it should have been like there were two nerdy girls at school who were really into science and like it was like science is a guys or like it's a boys it's a boys club so there mm. are no women in STEM which is the whole thing yeah. in real life yeah, yeah, yeah. there are massive things about it so this idea that these two girls who are really into science and that makes them geeks and they don't get invited to parties and all the rest of it but the reason they're into that is because as kids they saw the Ghostbusters on the TV they saw all this crazy shit that went on in New York and were inspired by that and then mm. went off and started like, what if we made our own proton packs and all And then that's it. That's all you yeah. need to do. But also like the, 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 the origin of Erin, when she says about that, she saw a ghost and this ghost repeatedly came into her room at night yeah. and stared at her and nobody believed her, but Melissa McCarthy's character. That's a, like, that's, that's a, interesting. That's a perfect show. Tell, don't show. Or yeah, they they yeah. told us they didn't sh- show us. Show us yeah. that. That's how the movie should have opened like that. It should have been like opening like yeah, show us that childhood like sort of trauma really, and then she delved into science as, as a way to try and figure out what was going on. Yeah, and then at the same time, just as she's getting into that when she's like eleven or because they don't explain why she just ran off really. No, no but they, yeah, it's just go. And then I decided that I wanted to get into academia and be taken seriously, so I fucked off. It just yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It just yeah, yeah it, there's there's no through line to it. I th- What's annoying is it had the potential to be so good. Yeah. I think what they should have done is had Leslie Jones be the protagonist, the primary character. Mm. She then goes out to find. She has a supernatural experience, 
and because she's into all that sort of stuff and reads a lot of non-fiction, she knows to go and find Melissa McCarthy. Mm. Melissa McCarthy and Kate McKinnon are still working together. Yeah, She goes and finds them. They're like, well, that's great, but the only other person that would, would could really help us with this is Erin. And it's about convincing Erin to come back because of the inspiration they had. Keep Ernie Hudson as Patty's um, uncle. uncle. Yeah. And he was in the Ghostbusters, which is why she's a believer. She's got this experience. Everybody's kind of fallen out with like the Ghostbusters as a thing. And like things have dropped off since all this hyper loss of energy. Tie that back in to this fake news, hyper media, social media side of things that things mm. are affecting it. Tie that back in. Yeah. So have this hyper negativity be the background of it, and that's why all this negativity rising back up again. Yeah. Have her go and find that they pull the group back together again. They use Kate McKinnon to develop the newer technology yeah. to okay. build on the technology of yeah. old. They find a way in, and they're like, right, well, we can re we can rebuild on this. And then you get to the end of the film, and they've moved into the fire station. And Ray comes down the stairs or comes in through the back door and he's like, what are you guys doing here? Yeah. And then, and she's like, we're the ghost bus. And he's like, the hell you are. Yeah. 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 Something like yeah. that would be better. Have some emotional through line. Just don't put 50,000 jokes in there that don't land no. and just hope that someone's going to find them. Funny. Uh, it's just, it, I think the thing that you said about it before I even watched it, it was like, it's soulless. And it does yeah. feel like that. There is no soul to it. It feels like a product. Yeah. It's a Sony product made yeah. to be a product, and that's it. It's not made to be a film. It's just they've got some recognisable IP, and they want to make something out of it. Yeah. And they just churn this out, and it's got no soul, no... It's just, yeah, it's... This film is one of the reasons that po Hollywood, uh, that Sony posted such a massive loss in, like, 2016-17. Mm. Because it just fucking lost money. Like yeah. there was loads of reshoots in it, which cost yeah. millions that they didn't that they said didn't really earn them anything either. And no, and it's just yeah, it just, and the whole finale just this neon nightmare. Yeah, um, everything's fucking everything's made out of CG now. The worst thing I hated Slimer and Slimer's girlfriend. They'd put a wig on Slimer and go, look, it's like a female version of it, like Miss Pac-Man. Like fuck off. And the fact that that everything is made out of CG, so there's no tangibility to it at all. Like Slimer no. originally was a puppet. I really yeah. hope that in the new one that he's coming out, obviously there is going to be a lot of CG. I hope they've got a at least a little bit of practical effects in it. Yeah. I hope so. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure on that one. I'll have to sit, wait and see what they do. Um, one other thing. So, like, the ghosts in this, they just shoot them and they just disappear. Yeah, they just, yeah. And then, like... Or so they just, they're just just lying on the floor dead again? Yeah. There's no explanation to it, because in the, in the originals, you have to trap a ghost. Because yeah. you can't kill something that's yeah. dead. Yeah, because they said, did you just kill a pilgrim? I think I did. And like, well, no, you didn't kill him. He's already, already dead. dead. Yeah. Like, it's just, and like, and just, it breaks the minute, like, even though in the first one, there are things that don't make sense, but you go with it because everything's working so well. With this one, the things that don't make sense like that, when they're falling to the floor, you start picking it apart because you're not having a good time. Yeah. And things like when the fucking, the, the parade balloons come around the corner and they start shooting. I'm like, wait a minute, how can, they, how can a balloon be a fucking ghost? Yeah, it was never but then they shoot it and it pops and, and it's five ghosts. Ghosts are inside it. So like, how the fuck does that work? But again, I shouldn't be thinking about that. If you were doing your job properly, I shouldn't yeah. be thinking about that. But I am because it's a crap film. <laughs> like, yeah. And that, yeah, I can't, like, we just pitch, like, your pitch just then and, like, the things we've said, 
we are fully on board with that you can make a great Ghostbusters movie with this cast. Yeah. And a female-led, completely female team. That's yeah. fine. There's nothing wrong that with that. fucking brilliant. But this, this is still crap. It doesn't make this This film is, is, is bad. It's This awful. film is bad because of the writing and because of the reliance on CG. Yeah. And because of the fact that they just don't didn't really fucking care. No. I do, they were like, Paul Feig's popular, get Paul Feig in, get Kristen Vee, get, get Melissa McCarthy, get Kate McKinnon, get Leslie Jones. Get all these funny people in it and it'll be funny. No, it won't. And it's, it's, like, it's funny in tiny little bits. I like, I but do it's, like, yeah. it's so buried. Yeah. Like, uh, the, um, yeah. I think my, the, my, the best joke in the whole thing, I think, for me, is, is the um, Chris Hemsworth getting her a cup of coffee. Oh, it's yeah. like, did you put sugar in that? And he takes a big sip of it, goes, and spits it all out. Oh, I hate coffee. Uh, no, yeah, there is sugar in that, and just plonks it down on the desk and walks off. Yeah, <laughs> I really like that. I don't know why. It's, it's a good joke. It's but also, one of my favourite jokes is um, is the, his glasses as well. Oh, his glasses. His glasses. That's... When he just he scratches his eye, and yeah, you maybe rewind it, and you realise that he just got he's, he hasn't got any glass in them because they kept getting dirty. So he just <laughs> so he still wears them. He still wears them. But he just popped the glass out. <laughs> yeah, or the um. Which one of these pictures makes me look more like a doctor? Is it when I'm playing the saxophone mm. or listening to it? And he's literally just got his ear pressed up to a saxophone with his shirt off. With his shirt off. <laughs> um, but no, my, one of my like the favourite through joke that goes through it, which again is, the irony is, is that it's done like three times in the film and it should be done about ten. Yeah. Is the is the repeated fact that Erin keeps, is the only person that gets affected by the ectoplasm. Yeah. Like any time there's ectoplasm around, she's the person that slips on it or falls on it or yeah. trips on it or gets something by it. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, like we've we, we've just kind of fixed it and then we've moved on. But anyway, so afterlife. Afterlife. Yeah. So yes. this is like my worry. I guess I don't know. I'm really interested to see what they're going to do. Are they going to get lean too back the too far back the other way? Mm. I feel like because it's going to be all nostalgia. Because you can tell from the trailers and stuff, the idea with Afterlife is that it's gonna it's like Egon's family is Egon's like yeah. his grandchildren essentially are the main characters in it. Um, one of which is played by the, uh, Finn Wolfhard from um, yeah. Stranger Things. And the idea is that like yeah, it's all about that legacy and building on that. And it's set within the world of the original movies, and like it's all happening again. But my worry is that it's going to trade. In, it's going to be too many member berries. It's all going to be member yeah. berries. Ah, oh, remember the Ecto One? Oh yeah, I remember Ecto One. Yeah, remember Ghost Traps? Oh yeah, I remember Ghost Traps. It's, like, it's going to be that for two and a half hours. And like, I want it to be like what Ghostbusters Two kind of could have been, like actual progression of the story and yeah. the fucking uh, like. I'd like to see it like reinvigorated for a new generation. I want to see it. I want to see new people respectfully looking at what it was. Mm understanding what made it funny and how it worked and going with that but with a with enough of the old in there yeah i think that's, that's what's so that's what i think yeah so i think being able to go being able to use the original stuff say here's ecto one here's a proton pack here's a ghost trap here's yeah. something or other like having that as like a, a like yeah. a pin in the map and then being able to draw. But it's interesting that they've gone down the route of like the the team that make up the Ghostbusters in this mm. are by the looks of it kids. Yeah. And it's going to be a, like it, that completely reframes what the movie is. Like now it becomes like a like a Spielberg, Goonies. Like, like Goonies, ET, uh, you know, fucking Stranger Things. Stranger Things. Yeah, all those kind of things. Where it's like the kids know something weird's going on and no one else believes them. Yeah. That kind of thing, which is it's a completely different 
you know idea of what from what the first original one was which is cool that can make it different so if if nothing else it'll be different um i'll just be really interested to see how they end up with it because I, like it's not there aren't there isn't going to be a hero shot of four people standing in the line wearing the jumpsuits no it doesn't work does it because they're kids and it's just it's not the same thing they're not going to have like the proton packs are bigger than the fucking child do you know what I mean? yeah so maybe like we might because paul rudd paul rudd's in it he might suit up yeah that could be interesting um but again like i've said to you like it's interesting from the trailers and stuff it looks like paul rudd is going to be basically a ghostbusters fan yeah i think he's going to be like bill moranis yeah Yeah. like i think you know but like the fact that like in the trailers is like the idea is that the kids turn up to school with a ghost trap because they found it in their granddad's um loft or whatever yeah and he goes you don't know what this is and he geeks out over it and then shows them all like the youtube videos of the ghostbusters back in the 80s so I feel like what it's going to be is going to be like he's the stand-in for like the generation, the Ghostbusters generation, your generation, essentially. Yeah. Where it's like the Ghostbusters was the coolest thing in the world, and I'm going to sit all these kids down and make them watch it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I know like Ghostbusters is going to be one of the films that I show my kids in the future. Like, exactly, and that's I feel like that's like they're doing that. But what if what if in the real world that like kids these days don't even know about the Ghostbusters because they were it happened before they were even born? I'm going to teach them. Yeah, like they're all that shit that went down in the eighties. I was there, man. I was there. Like, yeah. Well, it's like what I said to you the other day when we recorded um, whatever it was. When we were when Eternals. We did Eternals. Yeah. Yeah. Like Paul Rudd was like peak age for that to come out, so he he's like age appropriate for yeah, this. He's perfect. Yeah, and and like he'll, but like yeah, I know the thing with Paul Rudd is that he has got range as well. So I'm hoping that much as he probably will do a lot of his shtick. It yeah. won't, it, I know he's got more to him than that and hopefully they'll bring some of that yeah. um, and like no one's going to try and be the original characters there isn't going to be an Egon type and a sort of and a Vankman type or anything like that because yeah. it's a completely different set it's a completely different scenario small town young kids that kind of thing which is yeah. you know again it will feel a bit of a throwback to the ETs and the and the Goonies of the, yeah, of the Super 80s Super 8 and... Super 8 yeah um, which has kind of been you know we've had a lot of that recently particularly Stranger Things is another obviously big one yeah but do that in a Ghostbusters context, that kind of works. It's quite that could be a pretty good winning formula. Um, and obviously, the big thing is the fact they've got um, Jason um, Jason Reitman, Jason Reitman, who is the son of Ivan Reitman, yeah. who directed the first one, and he's directing this. Yeah. So that is like there's a legacy to it, and obviously he's very that is very near and dear to his heart. He understands a lot more about it. So yeah. hopefully, this will be what we want. I hope so. The trailer completely sold me. When yeah, I first and saw so it. far, like obviously, it's been getting preview screens and stuff, and there's been lots of positive buzz about it. I haven't. I've seen mostly, you know, good stuff. Okay, so cool. that'll be out next week, and we'll go and see that. Nice. Yes. Yes. So good, Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. It'll be alright. We didn't even talk about the video game or the TV shows. No, well, video game is interesting because the video game, my understanding is, is basically it is basically Ghostbusters three, isn't it? Yeah, to a certain extent, it's got the original cast, and it is. And at some point, I want to play it actually because I know you can get it now on various. You can get it on the Switch mm. and things like that. Um, so I'll be good when you get your Switch. Yeah. All right. Um, so yeah, I do want to play it at some point, um, and that's an interesting. Yeah, well, they they couldn't get the three off the ground mostly because of Bill Murray, um, and they found some weird backdoor way of doing it through a video yeah. game, um, which is fairly well reviewed, I understand. And then there's cartoons, which is a massive yeah. part for you. I literally have never seen the cartoons in my life. Don't yeah. even know what they look like. Well, the cartoon had to be called the real Ghostbusters because yeah. Ghostbusters was another show. Yeah, 
as we mentioned. But yeah, so it had to be called The Real Ghostbusters. No, but didn't they make a animated... Because they revived that. Like Funimation revived their Ghostbusters as an animated show. Mm. And it was like an animated show with a monkey and all that. Like, yeah, it was no a whole idea. thing. And that was just called The Ghost- Ghostbusters, coming soon to ABC. And everyone started tuned in to watch it because they saw the name Ghostbusters and thought yeah. it was to do with the movie. And it turned out it was this completely different thing. Yeah. And then a year or so later, they came up with the real Ghostbusters, which was based on the movie. Yeah. Like, I mean, the real Ghostbusters did a lot. Yeah. Did a lot. Yeah, of course it did. Like, yeah. I mean, it's too much to get into now, but it did a lot. I'd implore people to go out and at least read about it for what it did for the, for the, like, the lore. Almost. How long did it did a couple of seasons then? Yeah. And then it, and then it got a sequel. Oh, really? Yeah, it got, uh, I think it was Ghost, uh, Ghostbusters Extreme, oh, or Ghostbusters Dark, or something everything, like that. Everything had an extreme, didn't it? it was like, in the, like the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, there was, what was the X, there was an X-Men one where it was like X-Men Extreme, or X-Men... Extreme X-Men. Yeah, something like that, or like... Ultimate X-Men. Ultimate, There's yeah. Ultimate X-Men, and, oh, but yeah, X-Men had fucking 8 million different variations. Yeah. Um... <clears throat> But yeah, Ghostbusters, and then there was, then that finished, and then there was a sequel series to that, which is where everybody else has gone their own way, and it's only Egon left in the fire station, mm. and it's just, and the reason that he's there is he's looking after the, like the storage device, yeah, and Slimer, so it's just him and Slimer in the old fire station, and then things start happening again, so he has to pull together like a plucky team. And it's like set later on with him as like the paternal character that doesn't really know how to be like a dad. That's really cool. Okay, but I it's like to watch that. there's more story to it than I thought. I thought it was going to be like a, just a, you know a Saturday no. morning cartoon. I mean it is. Yeah. But obviously. like at the same time, it's but like there's, that, there's like, layers of like, okay. No, I might have to see that out actually. Let's see if I yeah. can find that. And also, the snaking its own tail of the uh, of, of Peter Venkman's character in the real Ghostbusters. The guy that did the voice of him oh, yeah. was the voice of Garfield yeah. in the cartoon for infamously for years and years and years and years. And then when it came to the Garfield movie, Bill Murray did the voice of Garfield. So, <laughs> yeah, the snake ate its own tail very, very much in that case. It all comes full circle. I like it. Yeah. yeah. Um, excellent. So, yeah, thanks for listening for our, um, our recap of the Ghostbusters. Obviously, there's... Um, this, series is an interesting one um, mm. and it's going to be really interesting to see uh, now especially having just watched the uh, 2016 one when we come to see this new version um, and the you know the different approaches to doing a modern reboot yeah um, and we can talk about that next week um, but yeah let us know what you think of the Ghostbusters stuff what your favourite parts of it are we being too harsh about the third one maybe you mm. like it more than we do um, and you can get hold of us on all the various channels where we post this um, and we will see you on the next episode for Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yeah, Ghostbusters. Yeah, Ghostbusters. Is there something strange? Your neighbourhood. <laughs> what? What? What should you do? What? Who are they going to? I hate that in the new one as well. I was like, well, what if something happens? Who are they going to call? Fuck off. That's who. <laughs> Fuck you. How dare you stand where they stood? Like just, my whole my whole like, vibe for the whole movie was that that meme, that Harry Potter meme of fucking how dare you stand where they stood. How fucking dare you. No. I don't mean them because they're women, I think because they're shit characters and they're not funny. Anyway, thanks for listening everybody. We're off. Bye. Oi. 
I know we're just in the middle of recording. This whole thing's <laughs> being recorded. Yeah, you're all you're on the podcast. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> That's post credits. That'll be good.